Sunday, Monday, happy gays. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy gays. Thursday, Friday, happy gays. They're best chums, let's have some fun. Ready to chat with you. These gays of ours. Happy gays. These gays of ours. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jared Hagland. I'm Ashley Fair. And we are Gay, gay best, best Friends. And welcome to the podcast. We have a podcast for you today. We really do. We had to like cut ourselves off from adding topics. Yeah, we were just sitting here like going, oh, this and this. And we're like, no, stop. Just stop. Just get it done. And you'll never know what those items were. No. Because I didn't write them down, so. And hopefully they were not as good as the ones uh, that we are going to talk about. <laughs> That's a good hope. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. I think this week we just both kind of dealt with some sickness again. Yeah. Yeah. You'll notice my voice probably sounds different. I'm kind of like congested and rough voice. I'm still dealing with this awful cough. Yeah. Unless we want to like relive the vomit conversation, but with phlegm, <laughs> then I, I think our weeks we can we can set aside. Yeah. Although, Ashley, you did send me a wicked picture of some morning phlegm that like went beyond most morning phlegm. Oh, it was great. I even... <laughs> I used like the neti pot and I like... Ew, really? Yeah, you have to to get it all out. Nope, that gave someone flesh eating disease. Won't do you it. You use tap water. You're not supposed to use just tap water. What do you use? You need to boil your water, cool it down. It's still tap water. But it's boiled. Does boiling kill flesh eating disease? Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't look I it up. Assume, but like... You yeah. assumed, yeah. <laughs> so I, I moved myself like away from the drain a little bit so I could actually see any... Like mucus that came out or phlegm or whatever. Yeah. Um, and not much. And then I switched nostrils and that came out. Oh, so you're welcome. It's all of that one of those. Yeah. It was great. Oh, that and that came out from the neti pot. That wasn't just a regular blow that you sent. Yeah. Me. Oh, I feel less impressed. Oh. Sorry. Um, it's okay because we're not going to talk about it. Because <laughs> we, we did the disgusting sick with the vomit. You're right. You're right. Um, so instead though... I came across this um, funny question on the internet, because I like to browse funny internet questions, which was, what was the pinnacle of wealth to you as a child? And I wanted to get your your take on that. So for the listener, like the examples are like people who had fridges that dispensed ice cubes or people who had dessert on a regular basis, that sort of thing. So right, right away. And I bet you my mom is listening to this, answering the question already, because she knows how I feel about this. People and families who had, like, a fridge full of condiments. Oh. To me, always felt like they were wealthier families. That's hilarious. Yeah. Which, now, I got a fridge full of condiments, so I know that that is not true. It is just a lifestyle. <laughs> it's just a great way to, like, freshen up your, like, cheaper meals. Yeah, well, so, yeah. So, now, I'm, like, apparent. I always thought it's because we weren't rich, but apparently we just weren't very flavorful. <laughs> what about what, what, to you? What, what's the pinnacle? What, what screamed rich to you? And other people's um, houses. When I read the list, like those all made sense to me, like the fridge with the ice dispenser and um, kitchen islands. I was just like, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, people would dessert regularly. That's when you and I have talked about before, where it's like, because who, who does that? Yeah, like we had dessert when it was a special occasion, like a birthday or yeah, it a really was good rare. Card. Yeah, but I also didn't know about that until like people did that regularly until I was a young adult. Um, so like that's not a kid thing, but for me. People who had multiple living rooms. So like, you know, people who have like, like a sitting room, I guess, and like a TV room. Yeah. I didn't know people had that. 
Oh, really? Like, I grew up in a house that was like kitchen, living room, two bedrooms, bathroom. Oh, see, we didn't in our first house, but then our next house, we did have a living room. Ooh. Well, wait, like, so two? Like, one was a TV room? Yeah, we had, like, we had the family room, and then we had the living room. The family rooms where the TV lives? Yeah. See, I don't even know. That was, like, our regular hangout living room. It's funny, because even when we, we rented most of my childhood, like, like, since I was, like, four, um, so, like, my entire life, um, and we rented a large house. For most of my, like, um, ch- like from when I was, like, 8 until 13. Um, and even in that huge house, we only had one, but it was one big living room. So we were still able to, like, kind of section it off to be, like, one side was kind of a nice, like, reading area and one side where the TV was. Oh, yeah. But still, yeah. Still just one. Just one. We had a lot of people living there, though, so. Mm. Yeah. My other one was uh, families that go out for dinner. Mm. Often. Again, yeah, that yeah. was like a special thing too. Yeah, we went report cards. Yeah, that's like the only time. End of I the remember. year. Yeah, Red Robins was my go-to. Birthdays, on your birthday, you got to choose where to go for dinner. In Langley, there was a place called the Chinese Garden or something. It oh, was yeah. a buffet. Oh, Chinese buffet is oh, the best. So good. I would pick Uncle Willie's. Which was like a Chinese Western buffet. Okay. Or if it was up to me and my sister, we'd go to Ruby's, mm. which was a Chinese buffet. That's fun. And then, of course, Red Robins. Yeah. Great. So, pinnacle of wealth. Listeners, I'm going to post a graphic. I said this before, but I promise this time. I want to know what you view, what, what you as a child viewed as like what made some, someone wealthy. I would love to know. It could even be as simple as, like, having more than one Barbie. Or piles of cash in their room. (laughs) Can you imagine? Well, okay. What? What? (laughs) I had a friend once. I was in her room. We were 15. I'm in her room, and she has this, like, this post-it stack of paper that makes, like, a image on the side when you, like, flip the pages. Oh, yeah. So I was playing with that one day, and in it, I found $200. Oh my god! And I was like, "Oh my god! I found you. Do you do you know you have this money in here?" Did she know? She forgot about it. She had gotten into a huge fight with her cousin about it, blaming her cousin for stealing that money like years before. And I was like, "Wow, must be nice." Okay, but I'm glad that she forgot about it. But there was a fight. Oh yeah, totally. it's not like one day she's like, "Oh, those two hundred dollars. Where'd it go? Doesn't matter. I'll forget." <laughs> true, 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 true. Right. So but, yeah. For, having... She's just a bit of a bitch. <laughs> so, Jarrett, what well, you watching? Slash listen. Slash reading. Slash what you putting in, yeah. We do that kind of in a weird order, because it's an even number, but the one who starts it is always meaning to ask the other one, like, what are you watching or whatever? I don't know if you listen to the podcast, because <laughs> um, I usually start it and I say, so what you watching? I know, but it's still weird to me. Okay, well. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you reverse it this time, and I was still very on top of the new phrasing you put into place. Oh, thank you. You'll yeah. read about it when you're older. Don't <laughs> worry. So what are you watching or putting in you? This week, I was debating, but I want to talk about this new restaurant I went to, Ooh. Sing Sing, on Main Street in Vancouver. So those of you who are international listeners, um, sorry. Um, but if you ever visit, it is in the place. I don't know if you remember Kiso Island. Yeah. It was gross. It was bad sushi. Cheap, but bad. Yeah. Um, and it's in place of there. It's totally renovated. 
the lighting is great. It's all light wood colors. It just feels lovely. And it's a beer bar that does pho and pizza. Ugh. This Weird is so Vancouver. It's a Vietnamese owner. So the Vietnamese part of the menu is super authentic. And the pizzas I saw have sesame seeds on the outside, which is all I need to know that you're probably a good, pretty good pizza. Uh, I went there this weekend with a couple friends. It was delicious. I had salad rolls and this like avocado seaweed cabbage slaw thing. Someone had a pizza. He didn't share, but it looked really good. And the prices were like insanely affordable. Like they were full pints of beer of many local varieties for $6. What? Right? Okay. Thank you. That okay. is not normal here. No. No. People living in like anywhere else are going to be like, so? Yeah. No. So the prices were like normal for not Vancouver. That sounds, okay. I can get behind that. It just, I mean, how Vancouver is it? Did I like, describe combine... it? Did it come off as like pretentious? No, oh, no, the no. faux and pizza? It's like, it's such a like late night hipster place to go. Get your faux or your pizza. Have more beers. Yeah, you're you're right. It I enjoyed great. it. I mean, I'm not. I love I love me some pho. I'm okay with pizza. So okay. And one thing, so they say like Vietnamese owner, it's authentic pho recipes or pho. I guess pho, if we're talking yeah. authentic. And I saw some people eat it because I I don't know about you. I think you know this about me. When I go to a restaurant, I watch people eat a mm-hmm. lot. I want to see their food. Right. And had very thick noodles. Oh. Which. To me, it doesn't scream pho, but I kind of like, because I'm not a huge fan of the noodles in pho. Mm, I, per- I, like the, I like the thin noodles. You like the just like tasteless thin Oh, noodles? yeah. Oh. I could eat those for days. Oh, no. Give me a chewy Chinese noodle over that any day of the so, week. So like thick like udon? Yeah. They were more udon-y. Interesting. And you're sure they didn't just order udon? There was no udon on the menu. Oh, okay. So. Okay. I guess we have to go try it. Yeah, well, you should, because I'm sing-singing the praises of sing-sing. So good. Uh, and you, what, you didn't, you, you, you said you didn't watch anything new, but I, I, you just still need to admit to what you were doing right this week. What was I doing? What were you watching, Ashley? Why didn't you watch anything new? Why oh, didn't you do anything new? Because I've been re-watching Grey's Anatomy, but I thought I talked about that already. Jarek and I have been watching it from the beginning. Um, so we, like, we're currently, we're watching the current season at the same time. And one day, we were watching, and I was like, I want to see them all at the beginning, because they're so smart and, like, accomplished now. And so we went back to the beginning, and oh, they don't know what they have coming for them. Oh, my God. Do you feel like you're a ghost of the future going back and, like, watching? Yeah. And it's not as emotional. Jerrica did have some, like, cry moments when I didn't, because I was just like, it's okay, we know what's going to happen. But yes, it's really weird watching it and being like, but we know that person's not gonna die because like we see them again and like yeah i still think it's so weird it'll be okay everyone Rewatching something no but rewatching a show that is that long Ugh. and like melodramatic i just good for you but I'm, I, I i only say that because i have nothing nice to say i love a good binge i want to like i don't want to binge something for one season no, I think and you, so I think you mean minge minge that means like vagina. <laughs> Who says minge? Um, one episode of South Park. <laughs> <laughs> okay, straight white voice. <laughs> but I've decided to stop even watching Netflix shows that are old shows that only have one season. 
I will check the air date if there's one season. If it's like 2013, I'm like, nope, didn't get renewed. I'm not going to wow. invest. The cancellation of one day at a time really burned you, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's where that's coming from. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, well, since you're not watching anything new, you know what that means. It's time for... What are you going to pick? Topics. Can we talk? Last week, Scary Spice, Melanie B, or Melanie Brown. Is it brown? It is brown because it's... <laughs> and I'm not going to get into the racial reasons why I remember that. But yes, it's Melanie Brown. <laughs> But you got into it. Uh, I touched it. I skimmed it. Uh, Mel B had an interview with Piers Morgan mm-hmm. last week. And in this interview, admitted to having had sex with the hottest of the hot ginger spice, Jerry something new last name now. Oh, I was going to say, why are you forgetting Halloway? But yeah, there's no. a new one? I guess. She's it's like Hartford or something. It's it's actually still an H, so she can still be Jerry H. Um, in like the height of their careers, which of course they're like on a bus. Mel B is like a bisexual. Um, I don't think Jerry's ever said if she is or isn't, but like, you know, she. Things happen down, on a bus. Right? <laughs> the Spice World movie told me that they're all very close. The only thing is they're about to go on tour in two months. And apparently Mel B felt really bad about like letting it all out. That's and, what I read when you said this to me. Yeah. yeah she like she called Jerry right away because she was worried it would cause problems for Jerry and her husband, um, which is very sweet of her. So like I don't necessarily think it's entirely a publicity stunt, but also like they're about to go on tour in two months. Or so. does that just add to it? You know what? Oh, I let it spill that we had sex and then I double checked in on her because don't worry, everybody. We're still best friends. This isn't going to be like that tour where Jerry quit and parts way through. Ooh. That's the cynic in me. See, exactly. I would love to see how it plays out. Um, I do think that it had something to do with the fact that I forgot they were going on tour. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan. And now we all remember. I want to hear. I want to hear Jerry speak out about it. I feel like she won't. I feel like she's really like. I haven't seen much from her recently. Yeah, very true. Yeah, she doesn't really speak on these things anymore. Just goes on the tour every four years. Every four years, no, they have it's not toured not. every four years. Feels frequent. No, I think they. I think they tour rarely as now as as much as they have sex. Well, now you can the amount of having sex with your friend puns and things you can now read into their lyrics. Mm. Like we need a new music video for Two Become One. I was just thinking Two Become One. Right? Uh, <laughs> if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends because oh. they did. Not, ex- but again, in Spice World, there was this whole scene um, for the Mama video where they're all sharing a house with like their kids and stuff. Like maybe they were Mama lovers. Right. And yeah. now we know it f- finally what Zig is like, ah, 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 means. <laughs> On the past few days, there was a shooting at Toucan's Nightclub in Palm Springs, California. Um, I'm just bringing it up. I go to Palm Springs a few times a year because Zach and I are 83-year-old gay men. And Toucan's is a place that we visit every time. Every Sunday, they have a show with RuPaul drag queens like Morgan McMichaels, Mayhem Miller... Uh, Delta Work and a variety of others. It's a great show. And there was a shooting. It seemed to be because of a disagreement. Like it wasn't like a hate crime. I don't know 
if it was not a hate crime like straights on straights or gays on gays. Um, it's America. Everybody's got a gun. But it just struck me that we kind of live in a world here where you don't often hear about places having shootings or guns going off that you frequent. And I, I think we're kind of lucky that oh, we don't absolutely. live in that world. Oh, absolutely. We, we have these moments where we have the fears or you hear about these shootings in the States or um, we every December we reflect on L'Ecole Polytechnique. And like that's so historical. The States seem so far away and yet we do go there frequently. And then we had the New Zealand shooting. Um, like it is everywhere, but like it just I mean, it kind of astounds me how normal it is that's, yeah, in the States. I think that's it. The fact it is so normal there. And just like common not common it is commonplace. Yeah. I mean it it is. Like when you when you and I were talking about this when we were prepping for today, I I wanted to say, like, what makes this one special? And like I like I my heart kind of breaks saying that like I feel bad saying that but the stats on gun crimes in the states are absolutely astounding yeah the other thing that I kind of connected with this because first off I'll say why I connected to me I've given up that America will ever do anything about guns mm-hmm. because when a class of kindergartners got shot down they did nothing and if you don't do something then I don't believe you ever will and I found out recently that my niece who goes to kindergarten does lockdown drills in her school for scenarios like that. And they tell the kids that it's for like, if a bear gets into the school and I don't know why exactly, I can't even articulate just how much and how that just broke my heart that we are telling kids to prepare them for their safety. Like I'm not saying it's wrong that they do it, Mm -hmm. but that we have to prepare kids this way and tell them reasons that make sense to them to get them to go along with it. It just broke my heart. How do you feel about the side of the bed you sleep on? I'm pretty committed to it. I love it. I'm on the right side. Uh, Yeah, it just feels comfortable to me. That's good. If we shared a bed, I'm on the left side. Oh, perfect. We can get married. (laughs) Um, However, it wasn't always that way for me. And recently, some guy announced to the Twitterverse that he, he and his partner swap sides all the time. Not to be judgy, but that's fucking crazy. Which is funny because I feel envious. I'm always trying to convince Jerrica to trade sides. Really? Yeah. Because I I usually get up earlier or I'm like moving about more. So I would like to be on the side closer to the door. Okay, but then do you want to trade sides like permanently? Not necessarily. But yeah, I guess so. I guess I'm not. You're jealous of her side. You're not, you're not trying to switch this up every couple nights. True. But yeah, I, but I'm also like, the flexibility is interesting to me. It's probably better for your back to trade sides, too, if you yeah. think about it. Well, totally, because, like, very few partners are going to weigh the same, right? So the way that they, like, lay on the bed's going to make the bed shift differently. Okay. But if you're switching sides kind of regularly, it's kind of like flipping your mattress. I was ju- That was exactly what I was going to say. It's like flipping the mattress. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's weird. Like, you- maybe it's because also, like, the side of the bed we sleep on is very, um... Very much says, like, I have a bookshelf on my side of the bed that is all my things. And I couldn't switch that over three days. True. I have I have a bedside table that is covered in junk. Jerrica's is very tidy. It even got piled in some stuff recently. And she, like, had a whole, like, 
we need to take a day and clean the house because my bedside table is covered in things. Oh my God, are we with the same people? (laughs) Right? Like that is, that hits so close to home. Except that it would never get to the point that he said have to say that. But yeah, I but I I hear ya, I feel ya, I'm with you. Watch out, Jerica. She's out for your side of the bed. Oh, she knows. <laughs> In fact, she's staying at a friend's house tonight, and I am gonna just sprawl all over that bed. I was actually gonna say earlier, and I'm sad I missed the the point that I could do it, so I'll do it now. If you ask Zach, he'd say I sleep on right in the middle of bed. <laughs> I don't. I'm the kind of person. I don't either. Who. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who I tend to roll away from my partner uh, and I feel bad about it. I had one partner who we were at a hotel once and we had a king size bed and when I woke up in the morning, I was still on the very edge and their answer to that was, I kept trying to snuggle you all night and you just kept moving away from me and I sorry that's a fair way I to just, sleep i think i just want some space when i'm sleeping i guess yeah, I that's the dream of a king-size bed you don't even have to deal with the person right? you just touch hands and you stay on your side yeah you do a little cuddle Great. before you go to sleep and then you enjoy your space and that's how Jarek and i do overall but i do tend to shift over to like the side of the bed i also think i like having like no that's a lie i was gonna say having my leg over the side of the bed but uh no bed monster and it's just weirdly uncomfortable. <laughs> I've never seen anyone sleep like that. And uh, maybe, maybe historically it's from bed monsters. Um, do we have a good ending to that? No, I think we can just put it to bed. All right. <laughs> I guess it's been around for a long time, but to me it's a hot topic. It came into the news recently because apparently it was under review and got affirmed that this is okay. Japan. Being trans in Japan, if you ever want to, like, transition through surgery, they have a list of demands. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. I guess just to be persevering anything. If you want to change genders. Because one of their demands is that you have to The surgery is is theirs. If you don't do surgery, then you're not. Yeah. So to do that, you have to be at least 20 years old. Get a diagnosis for gender identity disorder, but you also have you have to undergo sex reassignment surgery, become irreversibly infertile through sterilization, and have no underage children. And if you're married, you have to get divorced. Part of what made this a headline was the World Health Organization's actually done away with the term gender identity disorder. Disorder. Um, so, like, that's not even recognized anymore. It's not... A, you can't ask someone in your country to have to have this as a medical thing if it doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. You know, I get governments and health authorities and things aren't the best at understanding p- people all the time. And especially when we're coming to this age where trans rights and things are so accepted and that's great but but you know there's going to be institutions that are behind the time what i don't understand is how just damaging their requirements are yeah like if 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 someone's going to transition why do they need to not be with a partner why must they never be able to have children again and why must they not have children now like you were essentially saying if you want to be this way 
we're going to make sure that it just ruins every part of your life and yeah. you can't be a normal person. You can't be a parent. You can't be a partner. I guess I look at Japan as a modern nation and it shocked me that they were so, not not even so behind the times because I don't think that does it justice, that they were so cruel mm-hmm. about trans people there. Yeah, I mean, I I always assumed and like I put this on myself for not reading more into it but i always assumed they were much more progressive there given that they have like the love hotels and um you know panty dispensers and you know like they have a modern country they yeah 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 i see them as very like futuristic and ahead of the world uh but guess not sometimes i just forget that countries that you think are modern and up to speed with a lot of things just aren't. I, I I forget the level that some countries aren't up to where they need to be on, and I guess especially trans rights because that's, you know, it's the newest frontier of mm-hmm. human rights that have, you know, really pushed hard and fast in a yeah. lot of places. And I guess some places just haven't, haven't gotten that and I didn't think about it. I want to say same, but I know that's not true because anytime anyone talks to me about traveling somewhere like Jericho will be like I want to go to this place or that place my first thought is I need to see if it's safe for us there um so I do think about it a lot um and I guess I don't I I wonder if I wouldn't have thought of it of Japan because so many of my friends have traveled there so I'm just like eh it's fine but now I know like no they're they're not gonna jail us but like they're incredibly cruel. See, I think that's where my shock comes from because I'm with you. That's something I think about when we travel is, am I safe? Mm-hmm. And I guess this is a wake-up call to me that I wasn't thinking, are other people from my community or other people I know, would they be safe? Mm-hmm. Would they be able to live there and live the lives they lead? And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. As we mentioned before, Ashley has asked and we have asked and we have put out if you have any questions or anything, like write to us, let us know, and we will we will do our level best to answer. Um, we had a listener write into us with some very heartfelt questions for their life, and we want to take some time to discuss them here. And I feel like these are kind of questions. When I read them, I I was like, we have to we have to respond on air because I feel like other listeners might identify or might have other suggestions. Yeah, they're very universal, and yeah, I would love to hear if other people have things. And our this listener did ask to remain anonymous, which is a given. We are podcast. We took a we took an oath. We sure did. M- maybe, but we're keeping people anonymous because that's that's the trust that we have in best friends. Uh, so take us away, Ashley. Tell us a little bit about the how, questions. That's how you get the good questions. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, I was gonna paraphrase, but I'm not good at that. So I'm just gonna read. No, post a phrase. I am a straight 29-year-old virgin, soon to be 30 in April. Hey, Aries. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on where you are in April. 
and I've never had a girlfriend or even really been on a date. I know I'm not the only person who hasn't who hasn't this late in life, but it's not really something people go around telling people. I have met up with people for coffee and drinks, but I don't really consider those to be dates because it was just a meet to see if we want to pursue dating. They always said no. I have tried online dating on and off for the past 10 years, stopping when I get discouraged since I would get on average one reply a week. The reply goes back and forth a couple of times and then they just stop messaging me. Not getting any results makes me feel self-conscious and I stop trying until the crushing loneliness gets too much again. I have tried Tinder, Bumble, Plenty of Fish, eHarmony, Coffee Meets Bagel, and a few others that I can't think of right now. I never blame women for not wanting to date me. I do always blame myself for being the problem. If I do end up having sex, should I tell the person it is my first time? Is that something one should tell people so they are not caught off guard or should it matter? Should I just give up on trying to date and resign myself to being single and alone forever? So we're going to stop at that those questions because like there's more questions, but they're kind of a different topic, but it all does yeah. tie together. Yeah. And so first off, the big question is coffee meets bagel. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's a new one. Is it very, is it New-ish. specific? Is it like a, like a, is it, is it for like hot black people meeting like roundish white people? I wish. Right? Oh my gosh. That would be amazing and adorable. Some everything people, some oh my God. obviously people. <laughs> Anyways, I don't okay. think that's why you wrote to us. The first question, should I tell someone if I'm a virgin, if we have sex? I really, I've always been of the opinion like, no, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I think if it matters to you, then you probably should. If you're going to have sex with them and then afterwards be like, oh my God, was that normal for the first time? I don't know. Should they know I'm a virgin? I think I'm going to tell them now. Then like you should tell them beforehand because if you tell them after, they're going to feel like it meant something really important to you. Yeah. And it, sh- it shouldn't matter. No. It's probably not something that you should have to say, but if it's on your mind and if you've waited for this, you should be having your first time with someone that is okay with that mm-hmm. and is okay with where you're at. So I think telling them is going to give you a lot of information about, is this the person that you want to have your first time with? Unless this is like someone that you met at coffee bagel shop and... It's just like a one night, you hardly know their name. This isn't going to last. You have nothing to do. There's no like connection. You then no, don't worry about it. But this is the the other question that I um, really want to get into. Should I just give up on trying to date and resign myself to being single and alone forever? And I want to tie that to the last sentence of the like preamble, which was, I never blame women for not wanting to date me. I always blame myself for being the problem. So before recording, we discussed... Um, we're going to assume based on the information you've given us and how, um, introspective. Yeah. How, yeah. They, yeah. They, this, this person seems very self-reflective on themselves. Very aware of many things about themselves. I'm going to assume you are going to counseling or have gone to counseling, but if you haven't, I do think that finding a counselor that works for you is a really important step in dating or uh, we're going to get into um, making friends. I think the conversations you have with a therapist or a counselor can really 
expand your view of it. So that's that's where I'm at, at with that. But we're going to assume that you are seeing a counselor given the information you've given us. We're assuming you are. And if you're not, don't be afraid of stigma. You should do it. Talking to people is good. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming you are. But if you're not, first piece of advice is, is probably look into it. Do it. But, okay. So, but sorry. Sorry. To get back on topic. You shouldn't resign yourself to being single and alone forever. I think it's very important. I think we both agree. Yeah. To forget about dating for a while. Yeah. You don't have to resign yourself, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it a priority. I wouldn't think of it all that way. That Mm -hmm. shouldn't, don't make that the goal of interactions. We are social animals. And so there's all this like pressure to find a person, to be our person forever. And there's like a timeline But what we tend to forget is like we're living longer. So our timeline's also extended if there is a timeline. But there is no timeline. People find the person who is like, you know, someone they want to spend every minute with when they're in their 70s. And that just happens from finding activities you enjoy, from finding joy with yourself, from just like being out where the people are. Getting to a point in life where you kind of, you know who you are. You feel who you are. You feel that kind of independence. Being alone and having that time is not a bad thing. Exactly. Uh, And I really want to recommend, if you haven't, this video has been out for many years. And every time I see it, I totally, I get joy from it. Like, I just really, I love it. Uh, And I'm an extrovert. So alone time is not my thing. But again, based on the conversations we've had with you, listener, I get that you're a bit more of an introvert. And so I think if you haven't seen this video yet, it will possibly resonate with you. And it's How to Be Alone by Andrea Dorfman. Uh, And I'll email you the link. (laughs) There is a lot of value in spending time with yourself and finding out what you enjoy doing on your own. I, I think a part of us saying to not resign yourself to being alone, but to kind of accept that for a while or not seek out a relationship is, you know what, like I, I'm in my head a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in my head most of the day and the times that I succeed and the times that I do well or find something is when I get out of my way. And so I think not thinking and obsessing over this is what you need to do and getting out of your way, I think very likely could make it happen. It's going to make you give you that time that we were saying to focus on yourself which people like people who like themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that time is important and don't be afraid to take it. And just because you take it and just because you're not constantly looking for a relationship doesn't mean you won't find one. I'm also trying to make new friends as I've realized the past couple of years that I do not have that many friends when I saw pictures of them hanging out at various events and parties without me. But making friends as an adult is a lot more difficult as you're not exposed to that many people anymore. My work is small, about 10 employees, and most of them have children that they need to go home and take care of after work and can't hang out. I live in a decent-sized city, but most of the bigger or serious, by serious I mean established and meet regularly groups for things I'm interested in, usually occur in the large city near me. It's about a little over an hour of a commute each way, and not practical to travel down each week for. In high school and university, there were clubs on campus that one could easily go to and check out. Out of school, one needs to find these clubs on your own, if they even exist. An example would be an anime club. Most, if not all, universities would have one, but don't really exist outside of there. 
There's the site meetups, but most of the events on there don't interest me or the location is far. What's a good way to make friends as an adult? How do you define or classify a friend? For example, people you went to high school with, would they still be friends? If you see a person once a year, would they still be considered friends? First off, making friends as an adult is harder. Super it's something hard. I found. I'm sure you have. Absolutely. Like it just by definition of not being in a place like school, it, it, it's, hard, it's harder. Mm-hmm. People are more established with some of their friendships, so breaking in with folks is harder. But I don't think it's very different than the thing you described in college where there's a club. Like if you live in a decent sized city, even if it's outside of a larger one, like there are going to be those groups. And maybe with your specific, take anime as example because you mentioned it. Maybe you can't find an anime club, but you might be able to find some sort of like role play game club where there will be people who like anime and like the sort of things you're into. Or maybe you need to just also look outside the box and think of something that you aren't interested in, but always thought you could be or might want to try out and put yourself in those spaces. I think another option also is volunteering. Volunteering is how I've made... Most of my good friendships, like even even my high school friends, I had a, to- a mostly different social group in, in high school, but my best friends are the ones who I hung out with every Saturday volunteering. So if your city or the nearby large city has, say, an anime convention, look up how to volunteer for that. Heck, if you like museums, see if you can do any like volunteering at museums or the other option, and I know we already talked about you possibly being more of an introvert, but if you feel like being a bit more of a leader and putting yourself out there, you're not the only one interested in an anime club or Very something true. like that. So you should start a group on Meetup and find people in your area to join you for something. I just want to say when searching out interests and in things... Not all friendships are also in person. I have friends and I know people who are part of um, maybe more specific communities than they can find in where they live who connect with folks online and that's a real outlet to them. And if you live near a metropolitan area and in a slightly large city, even if those relationships build online and that's where they begin, it's something that could transform into in-person friendships. And I wouldn't discount online friendships as nothing you also asked us how do you know when to get out of a bad friendship what are the signs of a bad friendship if we identify as most of your friendships being bad or ones that you're not happy with should you stick it out so as to not be alone or leave them and be happy you're not in them anymore it strikes me there's a few times in in these questions that you do really pinpoint the like being alone not having friends that sort of thing which again, I would recommend again, How to Be Alone by Andrea Dorfman. And I'm going to like borrow some words from Jarrett from an earlier conversation. But if someone's not bringing you joy in any way, if they're not helping your heart or helping your happiness, they're not a good friend. They're not a friend and they're not, they're not good for you. And they're taking up your motherfucking time. They're taking up your time and energy that you, you clearly sound like someone who has love and fun and good energy to give. And if you are wasting that on someone who doesn't return it, then you are wasting your time. And anyone who is wasting your time and not bringing you joy 
should be chucked out the window. If anyone makes you feel bad about the way that you're choosing to make new friends, if anyone's making you feel bad about making new friends, I would question them about that. You don't have to cut those people out, but you just say to them, hey, these are my friends too. And I think this started um, with what Ashley was saying and some of the questions you had was, how do you know a friend's a friend? Are people from high school a friend? Are people that you've met along the way that don't talk to a lot friend are friends? And I would say anyone who supports you, anyone who brings you joy, anyone who, like I, I have friends who maybe I message once every six months or message me once every six months. But when I see their name pop up, when I hear a phone call, it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And those people are worth keeping. Exactly. Just because you have infrequent communication, it doesn't mean that you're you're not friends. To summarize, it's okay to be alone. To find new friends, maybe go volunteer places, or put yourself out there a little more. I know it's scary, but it could be very rewarding. Bad friends are ones who bring you zero joy. Good friends are ones that make your heart sore. And you seem like such an introspective person that I just want to say to don't judge yourself fully on the relationships you have, either romantically or otherwise. You seem to know who you are and you seem like a thoughtful, really great person. And focus on that. And if the people around you don't deserve it, find new people who do. And don't let go of knowing who you are and what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Like all the colors of the rainbow, so are the gays of the week. My gay of the week, other than being yet another fantastic example of why maybe the name of this segment isn't entirely appropriate, is a trans teen who was recently crowned at the high school prom. Dex Fryer from a Georgian high school was nominated for, I believe, prom king. He is a trans male going to high school and he was nominated by his fellow classmates. And the school took that nomination away, essentially saying, we don't agree with the gender that you say you are and you can't run for this. And the school retaliated, the school rebelled. Students got a petition going and they essentially pushed the school to create a gender-free prom ballot. And this ended up with Dex Fryer getting back on the ballot and being named Royal Knight for the Johnson High School prom. So Dex Fryer, I want to bring forward as the gay of the week for the bravery of transitioning in high school. Honestly, I was, this is kind of the always thought I have with trans people. I know what it took to get to my head to like know that I was gay or to like, you know, flick that switch and accepting myself. And I can only imagine that that is like 10% as hard as figuring out that you're not the gender that you were born. Kudos to Dex for the bravery that it takes to stand up in high school and be that. And kudos to the kids around him who supported him, who pushed the school, and really made him accept it and make a change. Honestly, like sometimes you just think everyone over 30 should die and the people younger should rule the world. 
Because whether it's gun rights in America, gay rights, trans rights, the youth always seem to be ahead of the curve, and maybe they should just rule the world. So Dex and all the people at Johnson High School who made this happen, this one's for you. So recently here in Canada, maybe just like western side of Canada, we've received some like, ugh, gross, I guess, news about uh, taking things back a little bit. In Alberta, there's an election coming up. The right-wing party has declared that they will take back the um, the guidelines on sexual orientation and gender recognition uh, in schools um, so that basically GSAs would not be allowed or what they want to do is out kids in GSAs to their parents. They have been campaigning on this for years and it's not okay. So all that is to say, I would like to give my gay of the week to a place that I feel very safe. It's a place that I've gone when I've questioned my sexuality, when I've gone through breakups, when I just need a place to see community wholly. So my gay of the week is Reese, the um, founder of um, autostraddle.com. Um, and autostraddle is like my like broader gay of the week, but Reese is the one who made it a place and made it a place where we all feel safe and at home. Um, for any any queer kids, any any queeros out there who who need a place to go, Autostraddle is is home. First off, I just want to again thank that listener for being vulnerable enough, kind enough to connect with us and put forward those questions. I would push any listener. You don't have to be as deep and introspective. You can give us a quick and dirty uh, caddy question. We'll take it. Heck, you can ask us if you should break up with someone you've been sleeping with for five months. We'll take it. We'll let you know. I feel you came from a place there and I say you should dump them. (laughs) But feel free and you can do that by emailing us at gaybestfriendspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, see what we're up to. Don't forget to to like and review us on your listening app. Um, Subscribe if, uh, if that's an option. And make sure you listen to next week. We have yet another interview that I think is going to be great. And hopefully we will be fully healthy. Here's hoping. Except for that sexy voice, Ashley. Maybe, okay, side note. I always hope when I get sick like this that my voice just gets stuck like this forever. I kind of like this voice. You just need to start smoking. Apparently. Or drinking a lot more whiskey. Oh. Maybe. There you go. I bet whiskey's healthier. Yeah. Well... Until we get healthier or until Ashley takes up smoking whiskey. Bye, Bye besties. besties.